scores out of 10. Ollie, we could start with you this uh, time. I'm going to give it an 8. Did you hear that? Yeah. Did you not hear oh, it? No, no, I heard it, but I burped. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Little Film Podcast, a podcast about films. My name's Adam and I'm the much-loved host of the show. Uh, and with me today, I've got all the boys, a full compliment. We've got Tony. Hey. Patrick. Hello. Ollie. Hello. And Dave. Hey all. How's it going, everyone? It's been a while. This, is, this episode today is our review of 2020 and the last episode we put out was our review of 2019. <laughs> That's so. a shame. <laughs> yeah. What happened? I mean, are we the only five people in the world that didn't put out a podcast in 2020? <laughs> yeah, We're, we are the sort of film equivalent of the Queen's Speech, I guess. Except there's been more than one Queen's Speech this year. So, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> and probably more people tune in to Queen's <laughs> Speech. Marginally. Do you know that for a fact? No, have you, have I'm you guessing, looked at the, but We'll look at the numbers. The numbers. Crunch yeah. the data. Mm. Yeah, quite, yeah. <laughs> yes, it has been fairly uneventful. <laughs> I mean, you're obviously joking about that, Tony, but I suppose it has been a relatively quiet year in terms of film, hasn't it? Because because of the pandemic, probably not nearly as much to talk about, not as many films to talk about this year as last. Yeah, a lot of releases pushed back to next year and the year after. Well, and pushed back within this year and then pushed back again. I'm sure we'll find plenty to talk about. I hope we're all ready to go. We've got a slightly different setup in the room today. We've got... Uh, because Ollie, we're at Ollie's flat and you got rid of your tables. It's not a table to be found in your flat anymore. No, the little nest tables have gone, unfortunately. <laughs> Why so. do you get rid of the tables? Uh, because I didn't like them anymore. So It's I very inconsiderate as well because you didn't think about the podcast when you did that. I and, know, that's, I mean, that is true. I should have, yeah. And I didn't bring it up till today as well. I mean, it's only been a year since we last recorded yeah. one. So, But we have been able to use some chairs to hold the microphones yeah so. we've got <laughs> Pat and all Pat's kind of like Pat's on the sofa over there kind of ensconced yeah it's a bit like a sort of psychiatrist couch that you're lying down on Dave sat on the floor I'm sort of looking where he belongs <laughs> I'm looking around at the other three and Dave's just on my right in my peripheral vision on the floor it's like someone's nephew who's come along just to just to join in. Just happy to be here. Work experience. Yeah. <laughs> the intern. G- giving him a mic, but we haven't plugged it in. <laughs> he's not got headphones either, so he doesn't even know that he's not on. But um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, I've got a box of hobnobs here. So let's crack on. As as I say, it's been something of a strange year for film. Um, but there's still plenty to talk about. We normally do a kind of best and worst when we review the year, but that might be a bit tricky. This I've only seen about five films this year. Tony's very pleased with himself. How many have you seen? Quite a few. I reckon you've seen more films this year than in the last five years. No, I don't know. Possibly. No, I've seen a few. I've, I've seen loads of films in my yeah. life. <laughs> you never watch films. You hate films. Everyone knows films, that. Mate. There's not really been an excuse this year not to watch at least one film, though, is there? Because we have obviously been spending a lot of time at home. So plenty of opportunity to watch, catch up on your movies. What a high bar we set for ourselves to watch one film in a year. <laughs> <laughs> and then record a best of and worst of the year. And then it's, it's both the best and yeah. worst film you've seen yeah. that year. Also had... 
literally all year to watch it, but Tony decided to watch Parasite two hours before we were recording this and still has yet to see the last 25 minutes. <laughs> he decided to watch it an hour and 40 minutes before we started recording it. It's a two-hour film. Uh, uh, so I thought, oh, I thought, I can't go into the podcast not having seen Parasite. Uh, but I only thought this. As you say, <laughs> watch 75% of As you say, two hours before we recorded this. I looked at the running time and saw one three three, and my heart sank somewhat. It was too long. And interesting point you made that you tried to eat at the same time, <laughs> and you can't. It's very hard to eat whatever it was. I don't know what it, what, what were you eating? Uh, chicken ham and leek pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, while, while watching a subtitled film because you can't look down. Um, anyway, no. So I just don't spoil the last twenty minutes, please. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Just to kind of link it to another film we're going to talk about, you needed you needed those guys from Tenet to turn up to like buy you some extra time. You could have gone, yeah, true. You know, watched it inverted, maybe. I did watch Tenet in the cinema. Well, let's let's <laughs> <laughs> cue round of applause. Yeah. Good. We are disproportionately proud of ourselves for having watched some films, given that we do a podcast about films. But um, yeah. also but, yeah. very lucky that we're probably the, some of the only people in the world who are able to actually go and watch a film at the cinema during the pandemic. Yeah, this is because we're we're based in Guernsey, where you know we're very fortunately uh, living uh, kind of effectively COVID-free at the moment without restrictions, which is why we're able to get together the five of us um, in this room and do this together. Um, well, so I, yeah, I thought we could do instead of doing a best and worst, I thought we could maybe just talk about like the sort of three, four, five films that you know quite the sort of big films from the year that I think we have all seen, or most of us have, have seen. Um, and so I thought we could just sort of talk about those, hopefully not in as much depth as we would, you know, I've not got sort of six hours to do this, so hopefully not in as much depth as we would normally do a review, but but talk about each of those in turn. And then maybe at the end, I'll just ask you for some, uh, you know, if, if there's any others you've seen and, you know, sort of uh, best and worst um, that you have seen in addition to that. But we talked about it already. We can maybe start with a film that I know all of us have seen, which is Tenet. Probably fair to say the only kind of big event movie of 2020. The only one that I saw at the cinema. Did anyone see any other new releases at the cinema? 1917. Okay, yeah, but right back pre-pandemic, true, and, yeah. And Invisible Man yeah. as well we saw at the cinema. Yeah, we did, yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of the, the big, certainly the, the, the only real kind of blockbuster of the summer. Directed by Christopher Nolan, of course, starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson uh, and Kenneth Branagh. I, I give you, um, for each film we talk about, I'll give you the little synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. This one's incredibly brief. A secret agent embarks on a dangerous time-bending mission to prevent the start of World War Three. Does that sum up the film? Do you Not think? at all. <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that, maybe. There's, so there was a lot of hype about this movie before it came out. Um, a lot of kind of mystery about what it was about. What did you all make of it? Do you, do you want to do scores? Yeah, I think we should do scores. Yeah. So on this podcast, we always do scores out of 10. Um, so we've all seen this one. Who wants to start? Dave's put his hand up. Yeah. Work experience, lad. Yeah. Me in the corner. <laughs> uh, I would give it a 7 out of 10. I'd probably drop down to a 6 out of 10. Tony? 7. Molly? Uh, 7 from me. Patrick? 6.5 who wants to lead us off on this I, I did I enjoy it I don't know I, it's a, in some aspects of it it's a 10 out of 10 film and in other aspects of it it's like a 1 out of 10 isn't it that's probably, yeah. probably fair maybe yeah. like a 3 out of 10 so that's where I, I, I arrived at my 7 
like some of the visual effects are amazing some of the sound design was uh, incredible the fact you can't hear half the dialogue is an absolute disgrace and i, I honestly I've, no one's yet to explain to me why how yeah. that comes to pass and the, and the and just and the final i don't know third no maybe not third maybe the final fifth the, the final act of the film is appalling um, but other than that it was good <laughs> so hang on the, the final act that's like the big battle at the end the big kind yeah, of gunfight yeah. one the of the worst battle sequences i think i've ever well, seen it in some of them are going forward in time yeah. and some of them yeah. doesn't make any sense no inverted. one knows what's going on essentially a paintball war isn't it <laughs> yeah. but up until that point like the you know the film opens with the the like uh, theater concert hall kind of high siege thing and that's just unbelievable that like you're that's like great bloody scene. hell this is going to be incredible uh, and then, then you're like, ah, oh, is like, is there something wrong with the cinema? Like, why can't I? You know, what's wrong with the dialogue here? I can't really hear most of what's been said. That was a massive problem for me because it is a film which depends on you keeping up with the story and all the characters and everything that's going on. And when you can't hear them talking to each other, I think I said to one of you that. I don't know why, but when I left the cinema, I felt a bit stupid because I didn't fully understand everything that happened in that film. And I, and I agreed with you. Yeah. That, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that, that you were being stupid. Adam said that on the way it in. Was, it was all crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone see Trolls 3 or something instead. But, uh, no, but, then, but then looking back on it, it was, I think a lot of it is, is difficult to follow because you just can't hear what they're saying to each other. Two, two, two points on what Ollie's saying, one of which is that... Um, and to link in what Tony said, the the sound mixing and the levels and things are so bad that I think it's not a stretch to say it should be an embarrassment for Christopher Nolan and for everyone who was involved because you can't spend that much and make that grandiose and adventurous and sort of new type of film and then just have it so that dialogue is drowned out. And there's... A couple of things there. One is that I think imagine you because we often talk about this. Just the amount of exposition mm. in the film is unbelievable, and it's probably necessary because it's such a it's complicated enough. But if you've got exposition which is then drowned out by you know explosions and stuff going on, it's both silly because too much exposition is really annoying anyway. Just constant like explaining of oh no, but if I do that, then surely when I go back in time, then you know it's just that's annoying, and then you can't hear it anyway. Mm. Um, is it? Is it? Do you think? Because this isn't the first time that Nolan's been criticised for poor audio mixing in films, like the the Dark Knight Rises as well. Obviously, it's slightly different because he because the, the the character Bane was wearing a mask, so the voice was always going to be muffled. But I remember when that came out, there were loads of complaints that you just couldn't really hear or understand what he was saying. And again, like as Pat said, when you spend so much time on money on a film. And for a film that has got so much um, that you need to know, like surely it's just an oversight, not... Yeah, I mean, in fairness, though, what I would say is that with all of those massive bits of exposition, whenever they have them, at the end, almost certainly one of the characters always said something like, ah, but you don't need to worry about that. So, like the Austin Powers, yeah, like Basil exposition in Austin Powers in, in Austin Powers Two when they go back in time and Austin Powers starts asking questions. But won't that mean? And he's like, the best not to worry about it. Just, <laughs> just it's actually quite just, similar. I recommend yeah. you just enjoy yourself. That keeps it's that kind of thing. It keeps happening throughout the film. So I think Nolan's just like, just enjoy 
the set pieces and stuff. But then, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really make sense when that well, happens. It, it, seems, it seems strange that, as you say, with so much money behind it and stuff, that no one in a viewing, like presumably they watched the film back before they released it, that no one went, hang on a second... I can't actually hear what he said. You know, do you think do you think people did say that and Nolan was just like didn't want to hear it like literally or or were they just sat in like the most amazing mm. recording like sound studio and were just like yes, I can hear that perfectly because I've got $20,000 speakers like here to my left. That'll be fine. And didn't really consider the fact that... That we'd be watching it in the Mallard. Yeah, exactly. Unless it's, unless it's just... I don't know, because he's, he's such a craftsman of film, isn't he, Nolan? Maybe it's just what he likes. He doesn't like to have the dialogue. He doesn't like audiences like, to hear. Well, no. He maybe doesn't saying. want it too highly mixed in I think the, that's too generous. I don't know. I really like Nolan. I, I really like Christopher Nolan. And I, like, I, I love his work, undoubtedly. But yeah, it's utterly baffling. I, know, I, I don't know. Hopefully, before they release it on streaming or... Because they DVD, but no one really buys that. Um, that they make remix it and actually make it tolerable. Because it's, it's, it's genuinely like painful experience. Because you're kind of like straining to hear. It's really, I mean, it's utterly painful. Something that was interesting to me is that uh, I remember distinctly watching Inception the first time, and part of the way in, I remember this quite vividly. That I sort of because it's about dreams, um, and and that in itself, there's all sorts of complications that come up, and and um, things which are a bit baffling and if that's within dream then wouldn't this happen you know but because it's about dreams and dreams don't make sense like your own dreams at night you know sometimes just like the the plot will completely change and someone will appear and all this stuff i just i let it just happen and i just i just enjoyed it yeah and like a dream like and that probably really helped my enjoyment of it and i just um admired it for what it was and the strangeness of it and that, all that stuff was like on the beach and with the wife and all that but I just let it kind of wash over me and really really enjoyed it and I couldn't do that with this one it's got maybe because it's not about dreams where it's something that you don't really understand that it's supposed to all make sense and just to bring that back to what Maka was saying is that be- Ollie, Ollie that is. yeah walking out of a film and thinking oh no like am I stupid I don't really understand that does not mean the film is clever it might but you know, famously, anything... It's very easy to make something confusing or clever. It's very easy to do that, and people are like, oh, that's clever, or that's complicated, because it just doesn't make sense, you know, the kind of, like, the grandfather problem, or whatever, like, mm. go back in time, you kill your grandfather, but then you couldn't have done that because you wouldn't have been born, blah, blah, blah. But it's... That's easy. And so I don't think it's... I don't think it's a film that's as clever as it thinks it is. Mm. Um, and I think I think the just just my kind of overall sense of it is that the absolute best aspect of it to me is that that we live in an age and with Christopher Nolan's skills and everyone else involved in its skills where you could have an idea that mad and that it could be realised that well in terms of the time issue and the effects. I mean, you think of like if you had that fifty years ago or however many years ago, yeah. you couldn't even begin. It would look ludicrous couldn't even start so and certain things in film you think well the only way i could do that because it's so magical or weird is with uh if, 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 if it's animated or something but now the fact that that can be realized was the best aspect to me but but apart from that the ambition i think it's probably and this is almost a compliment because i'm still getting it at six but it's probably the worst christopher nolan film that i can remember 
Dave, Dave, what did you think of it overall? Because do you agree with with Tone that it's just like a mixed bag in terms of some of it's amazing and some of it's... Yeah, I think that's why I gave it a seven because mm. I think the bits that are good are like extremely good. But the, bit, the, the bits that aren't really do pull it down. For me, like the characters as well, like it's very hard to like buy into them. Like you suddenly you've got like this super spy who's kind of come out of nowhere doesn't really question anything that's going on in the film or at any point along it. And Kenneth Branagh's bad guy, like you were saying, like it doesn't make sense, like that little synopsis about it being about starting World War Three, because it's not. Mm. It's about actually ending the world. And there's no explanation at all as to why there are so many people trying to help him end the world. Yeah. And even his like character motivations behind doing that seem really unbelievable I, I think also unexplored because the actual thing which is mentioned is quite an interesting idea that basically there's a moment where he's making the case or people make the case that he's a good guy because he's like you don't know what's to come like how bad things will get isn't there do you remember but then that quite scary and maybe never really thought of that is that he's not just like i'll end the world i'm going to reverse like reverse it so that like it never mm. happened quite an amazing kind of theme but it's not at all explored and of course it isn't because there's like ten thousand things going on on the screen yeah they probably could have lost like one massive action scene or like the sequence of the jumbo being crashed into mm. the um like safe house thing well, the, yeah. like they probably could have just scrapped that and had yeah a little bit more of kenneth branner on screen like talking a bit more time to breathe because as you're saying dave like the character that there was because there's so much exposition and so many action sequences that there just wasn't much time actually a bit in a way not that i want to talk about this one but a bit like rise of skywalker for me in terms of it was just very breathless and like just not enough time to actually like flesh out the characters and stuff but i, I i'm i you hit the nail on the head as far as i'm concerned and it is like visually it's absolutely spectacular and i would definitely like if someone said to me should i watch it i would say yes like i it's it's well worth watching for that alone, but just massively let down by the fact that I really couldn't follow what was happening. And as you say, Patrick, I think Christopher Nolan might say, or that there might be an idea that it's like it's just oh, it's because it's very complicated. It's very complicated stuff. It's very complicated ideas. But I don't actually think that's it. I think it's just bad storytelling. I think like I've got no problem. I don't think with like a complicated plot as long as it's told well. But yeah, the 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 audio you know um issues definitely let it down but also it's just it's just very difficult to follow what's happening because it's so exposition heavy you know at in the end i just don't think that's very good filmmaking if like if the audience can't understand what you're doing that's not the audience's fault i don't think i think that's your fault as a director there's a, yeah there's a couple of other things there which is one of which is that it's it's a trick isn't it it's like a new pretty much new trick that they're doing in terms of what you see on screen and mm. things going backwards and things going forwards at the same time. You see the trick and you're like, oh, wow. You know, what's quite amazing, and you sort of think you've almost misseen it, is that during that opening in the theatre, there's a moment where it's like the bottom of the wall, do you remember? And the bullet hole kind of, like, goes backwards. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like at that point when you're watching, you're thinking, like, have I just seen, like, a blooper, like a kind of... Because it doesn't really get that. Because you have no idea at that point that that's going to be central, and it's kind of kind of an amazing, kind of jarring bit. But then it's the same. Obviously, it's just the same trick for another two two hours. 
but really, really kind of, as you say, frantically. But then the other thing is just to mention about the um, set pieces. And Nolan is so famous in action things for set pieces. I don't know the first one comes to mind, like Bane um, crashing the plane and stuff. But in this one, it, there's several scenes, not just one, but there's quite a few scenes where the characters sit around discussing the stunt in the same way that you must imagine that the team making the film did it. And it kind of seems a bit ridiculous, almost a bit laughable to me, because they're like, they honestly sit around the characters and they're like, right, for this one, we're going to need like two big cars. We're going to squash that small car in the middle. Then there's going to be like a train that goes past and we lift that up. And it's kind of, and then you watch that set piece kind of unfold. But, but it's not, the problem is, like you mentioned about the jumbo, the, the, the plane, it doesn't really do much in terms of the plot. That whole thing is like, let's have a set piece where we steal stuff from a plane. Yeah, like in we, terms of the actual plot, you're like, was that actually worth it? Was there not a better way? That is true, but then those are the best bits of the film. They're, that yeah, they, they probably are, but it's just bad storytelling. I think that they couldn't f- figure out a way of like combining yeah. the set pieces, so they're moving yeah. the story on at the same time. And it's things like, like you mentioned, Tone, the the final set piece at the end that there's like a paintball war. Like one of the problems there is that you don't actually see the baddies at all like it, it, they're just like bullets raining down from window like i found it really hard to follow like what was happening in that battle just things like that added up to for me like yeah not great storytelling that made it meant that about two-thirds of the way through i was like hang on i really don't understand what's happening in this film at all and, and i like you ollie i kind of was wondering if everyone else was getting it and i was just you know I was just sitting alongside you, nodding, just going like, <laughs> "Brilliant, just really, yeah, so simple, really so it. simple, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Tick. Uh, just on the, uh, we should probably move on, but just just very quickly say, I I didn't find the I've forgotten his first name, but Washington. I didn't find the lead very good. A bit motionless, just for me. dull. Emotionless. I, I don't think it's the actor's fault. I think it's just maybe what he's been given. Not much interest in terms of like no real reason to like root for him that much. Um, yeah, enjoyed didn't... Robert Pattinson though. I thought he was very. Yeah, good. I quite like Kenneth Branagh as well. I know not everyone here agreed, but mm. I, I thought he, he was obviously like a bit of a kind of comic, comedy Russian villain. But I, yeah. I, I was on board with that. Bit hammy for me, mm. yeah. Branagh. I'd agree. I don't, I don't know what Christopher Nolan's doing next, um, but I would like. I, I hope he just kind of parks all this kind of convoluted stuff for at least a couple of films and just. That makes something that's kind of Wait, logical he you can though. hear because he did Dunkirk and he did Dark Knight Rises. Okay, but like, well, you would, I would say, I, I would argue with Dunkirk though. Like, he does, tr- he has complicated that. Like, I love that film, yeah. But it's three different stories yeah. told across three different timelines simultaneously, hmm. so it's not a straight narrative. It reminds, it rem- it reminds me a bit of a lot of the novels that I really don't like that often get nominated for the Booker Prize, like. Quite often the Booker Prize shortlist, which is seen as like the most prestigious prize, are just things I don't want to read because it's things like Will Self, and they they have like a they, there's always some like thing like they have to have a thing like Will Self will write a novel that's got no paragraphs in it, and it's like it's somehow seen as like highbrow or clever to not have paragraphs, but it's like actually we have paragraphs for a reason because it helps you to read and follow and understand what's happening and it. It's a little bit similar that, yeah, maybe Christopher Nolan just thinks like having something like that, like as he's saying in Dunkirk, is in itself clever. And I'm not sure it is really. It's like a bit of an affectation almost. 
doesn't help like it doesn't add anything necessarily I, I agree but one thing i would say is and i think everyone in this room has said it that like oh like this make the same old rubbish and send them like the same films the same themes the same characters at least he's doing something different and unique like if you go and see a nolan film more often than not there's not you've not seen anything like it like with tenet like with inception i think that's a i think that's a good yeah. point because I, I yeah i i you know sick of remakes and sequels and everything but i, I like christopher Nolan's next film whatever it is i'll still be going to see it and what's what's funny about on. what's funny about that point is that i agree and it's that thing like i've said you know if something in this era if something's not a sequel and not a remake i'll probably give it one more mark just because i'm like well it's something different but with this one, it's like, well, he's done that, and that's incredible. I genuinely hope no one does it again. I don't want to watch more films mm. with that gimmick in them. What do you think know. would be the most surprising film for Christopher Nolan to make next? Like if he kind of remade The Nutty Professor. Or something. <laughs> I was thinking Babe, Pig in the City. <laughs> I'd, li- I'd like to see him doing a Bond film. I think he'd make a really good Bond film, I think. I agree. Okay, well, well let's move on then um to another film uh that you know was one of the most talked about uh, releases of the year we've mentioned it already parasite now technically that came out in 2019 originally is that right but released in the uk in 2020 we saw it in 2020 and of course won best picture at the oscars in 2020 back in february do you remember february heady days yeah. <laughs> it was like a long time ago now just to check and we can cut this out but we we podded parasite right no we, we didn't. didn't no we did not Okay. Good, good memory of your own <laughs> of your own life. Yeah, I had a dream did. where he was just making loads of great points, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was just applauding. That is a dream. Dream on. Yeah. Dream on, Asia. Back to reality, mate. Is that no? no well, all this joking from Kerr, but we didn't we, did, we didn't pod it because he didn't see it. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. No, actually, actually no. True. That is true because we were going to pod it. And then he was like, I'm going to watch it that morning. And yeah. I saw him in uh, Waitrose car park. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm going to watch it. And I was like, we're going to pod it in an hour and a half. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going home to watch it now. And all of that week, and all of that week, he was like, you know, no, definitely I've got the whole week. I'm just going to watch it one of these evenings. So we kept waiting for you to watch it. And then <laughs> you never waiting. did. And then a pandemic happened. Well, exactly. You fucking can't legislate for a pandemic, can you? So. <laughs> at least between then and now, you've had ample time to watch it. So. <laughs> yeah. at least, and at least now you've watched three quarters of it, so... Yeah, true. I'm doing well. I mean, perhaps we can discuss this on another pod like, as, as a as a as an extra. Um, just the art of trying to persuade someone to watch a film that they don't want to see, because that seems to be my life at the Your moment. Your better so, half. Yeah. So, I, yeah. so it was the first. Uh, it won Best Picture, as I say. It was the first film not in the English language to ever win Best Picture, and it also won uh, Best Director and Best Original Screenplay, directed by Bong Joon Ho, who also made Snowpiercer. Um, the synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes is also quite brief, so this may be a bit pointless. Let me know what you think about this. Greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. Full stop. Ollie? Can I say, I think that is a perfect synopsis for it because I think you need to watch this film without knowing anything about it. I think going in... Because I, I tried to avoid reviews and everything about it because I just wanted to watch it fresh and I think having a synopsis like that where it doesn't tell you anything, doesn't give anything away, puts you in the best like frame of mind to watch that film. I don't know what you guys think. Well, I'm, I'm massively on board with the idea of not knowing anything about any film before you watch I think it does improve things. I, I really, like, I will avoid watching trailers um, as if I possibly can. And, you know, actually, pretty much all the films we're talking about today, I'd like Tenet, I knew nothing about. 
this I knew nothing about. And it, it does, I think, improve the experience for sure. Should we do scores? Should we yeah. go the, the other way around this time? Let's do it, yeah. Tony? Well, I haven't seen the last 20 minutes. That's true, so. actually. Based on what you've seen so <laughs> well, far. Well, shall we come to you? Well, do you want to start? Let's get you out of the way because you haven't I seen mean, the last 20 minutes. I, <laughs> because I'm often, I know I often, occasionally I'm, I run a few minutes late. I, I toyed, but I spent most of the film thinking, gosh, shall I finish it? And just say like, I had to finish it or run the risk of you know incurring your wrath. Yeah. Particularly you, Adam. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't. But, yeah, no. I, I, As I it know. turned out, you were not the last I know, hit. I could have finished it. Patrick was still asleep at the time we were supposed to start recording. I Honestly, I can't give it a score until I've seen the end, but eight okay. at the moment. Eight out of ten. Right. That, moving on to those of us who have seen the complete film. Patrick. Nine point five. Wow. That's a very high mark from Patrick. Ollie? I'm a 9.5 as well. I've seen it three times this year. Just so you guys know. David? Uh, 7.5. Ooh. Oh, I think I'm going to go 9.5 as well. I mean, that's definitely the highest mark I've given on this podcast. Def- must be the same for you, Patrick. Yeah. I was between 9 and 9.5. Ollie's maybe. scores are all over the place. So he, <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? It's a but... full 9.5 higher than one of his other reviews. Is that the highest <laughs> overall rating we've given? Probably. Something? I, I, well, it's very hard for me to like eight with a pinch of salt because I don't know. I just don't know yet. I, this is a big statement. I think it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Tell us more, Bath. Well, I want to hear from Dave first. Oh, or, yeah. He or hated do, it, didn't he? Or do we? Well, no. I've, obviously, I'm getting it at 7.5. I think it's a, it's a good, bordering on very good film. I just don't at all understand the hype. Even you saying stuff like, oh, you've got to go into it and like literally know nothing about this film. Like, I, I don't think it... I, I don't know if I'm missing something, but for me, like, it's a good film. I quite enjoyed it. But it's, I, I, I don't see the special thing that everyone else seems to see. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. Interesting. Like, I, I think it's good. It's entertained me. I'd probably watch it again. Did Not in a massive a rush to... <laughs> no didn't win like didn't get a film studies prize did he say but like it's true. I, but, but I just don't get it but I just don't I don't get why everyone is obsessed with it at all like it, I I challenge you three you've mm. given it such high marks to tell me what's so amazing about so it I just think all, explain to me what I've missed all the ingredients of it I think everything you look for in a film performances cinematography story soundtrack sound like everything i think it does everything basically perfectly i think the performances throughout are brilliant the story is like again very original and like there's the bit which you've obviously seen where it all flips upside down which i just wasn't expecting at all are you talking about the bit where the basement is revealed for the first time that's one of the most mental things i've ever seen on like i just because as you're saying, Oli, I think going into it not knowing anything about it is so important. And for me, the reason is because I, I just had absolutely no idea where it was going yeah. at all. And that was that was a really enjoyable thing for me. I Like 20 minutes into the film, I was like, I just don't know. I just don't know what's yeah, going to happen. Where's this going? And then and so suddenly when that moment happens, it reminds It's a bit of a weird comparison. I know this would be the thing i'm comparing it to would be nowhere near it in terms of quality but it (laughs) reminded me a lot of 
Lost, like those kind of just jaw-dropping moments in Lost. I'm not a big fan of Lost overall, but like the first series of Lost where something would happen that you just did not see coming and was like kind of head in, you know, head in hands, like what moment? And that's how I felt about when the basement's revealed because I just was like, this is crazy. But you, you weren't blown away by that, Dave. No. No. I just didn't, I didn't find that to be like a shocking, I, it was just like a, just like a twist in the film. Mm. But I, like, as I say, like I, I enjoyed the film, but I just... Didn't love it. Yeah, well, I just yeah, I didn't get that blown away feeling. But obviously, I mean, it's obviously touched you three. One of my favourite. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we don't always agree. One of my favourite scenes is the um, the bit where the family come home and they're like trapped under the coffee table, hmm. and they have to sneak out. It's just so tense. Yeah, so well done. Absolutely love. Yeah, that it's bit. very good at creating and sustaining yeah. tension. I just love the pace of it as well. It's just like, yeah, it's just got just the whole thing. I think is brilliant. Yeah, I think, and also like complaining a bit about the storytelling in um, in Tenet. I think this is just a very good example of storytelling done well, and also and like in terms of kind of exploring the themes that it wants to explore about you know class and inequality and stuff. Like just doing it in like quite subtle ways that like doesn't hit you over the head with it. A lot of it is through visual clues and visual metaphors. You know, it's like a very good example of, of show don't tell in storyline that, that in storytelling that they don't kind of sit around talking about inequality, but you just see you see it through the fact mm. that they live downstairs and the family live upstairs. You know, things like that. They're very simple, but it just works really well, and it did leave me with a lot to think about afterwards. I think it does like just trickle in sort of subconsciously, doesn't it? Mm. Just with those little pointers. It's not like as you said, heavy handed and. Mm. What do you think, Patrick? You've been very quiet so far. Mm. You're changing your score. I was thinking about a raspberry tart that's in um, Coco, a cafe here, (laughs) because for a reason. Because you're hungry and you haven't had breakfast, and it's four in the afternoon. I was thinking about plates of get like ten plates of get all great things to eat here, and that raspberry tart. The reason I like it so much is because it's like refreshing and sweet and uh, a bit bit savoury and kind of toffeed, and then you've got like. It's got so much going on. There's like loads of stuff about it. It's not one flavour. It's like it's really kind of interesting and balanced. And I can't really answer Dave in terms of that there's something. It's like the opposite of Tenet, actually. The Tenet is like it, it's for that gimmick in a way, like it's known for that. Whereas this one, I just find across the board, kind of as Ollie was saying, it does everything so brilliantly. And it's, it's very distinctive. The humour... In it. It's it's there's elements of horror towards well later on and a bit of violence whatever not to give too much away. There's, I find it very funny at times. I found, for example, the character of the dad like immensely likable, like his sort of optimism and you know like they're like oh like we've got free Wi-Fi yeah, like, like that, kind yeah, of they're like really holding nice. the phone up. Yeah. Um, I found I found and I don't know I don't know much about it at all, but it sounds like in terms of uh, for Korean viewers. It's very interesting in terms of... So lots of people have that experience of living in those really kind of dingy um, basement things, and there, is, there are problems with flooding and all that sort of stuff. I found that even the title interesting, because of what does it mean? Who's, who's the parasite? Are they the parasite living there, or are the rich people the parasites on society? Um, I found it very cool. I found it... Uh, the music, brilliant. I found the set pieces in that, and all... It's slight. It's almost an element of kind of Wes Anderson sometimes, and you know, like when you see the house kind of from the side, maybe, 
and like you can see the family going back and like returning and the other one's trying to frantically tidy up and hide in their separate places um yeah i just i i couldn't find fault with it really i think maybe i probably in a way the the last part i i again like you said the the twist of it and the strangeness i applaud and i think it was amazing but i prop that probably almost was was incidental mm, it was less interesting or kind of like likable to me it's just some of the earlier parts it all goes a bit crazy you know and it's like mm. weird comparison but Shaun of the dead we all absolutely a totally different film but we all absolutely loved the early part where it's just the kind of Cornetto. The chat, yeah, exactly. All the, like, the little gags, all the small England kind of like mm. how sort of silly they are and everything. And then that whole last chapter, which actually happens again sort of in Hot Fuzz, it all goes to hell and it's kind of chaos sort of works, but you're like that, you know, I preferred the kind of quiet moments. I just... The bit, the um, the, the twist moment, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying like that's what makes it one of the best films I've ever seen. It's just, and, and as you said, there's so much before it that I loved, but that's the bit. Like, it's obviously like nearly a year now since I watched it, and that's the thing that stands out in my mind. Like, that's that's mm. what will live with me from that film for the longest. I think is that moment. Dave, did you watch it post the Oscar win or before? Can you remember? Or was it around then? Because uh, my question really is: Do you think do you think the hype put you off and or affected your viewing of it? Do you think if you if it hadn't had all that hype, or you, if you'd watched it long before, you might have seen it differently, or? Possibly, and what I would say about that is not to point a finger at Ollie, but before I watched it, he said to me, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. (laughs) And so I think I spent a lot of the film watching it very intently, waiting for me to be like, oh, this is one of the best films I've ever seen. Mm. But instead, like when it, it ended and I was like, yeah, that was a good film. Some films are very hard to... It's it's, it's quite a general point, but if you look at... I think IMDb top 10 one of them's like 12 angry men mm. in a way quite hard to describe and it wouldn't be in my top 10 really but it's an amazing film but it's just some people in a room discussing a legal case with certain films it's quite hard to it is quite well, hard to it's, convey it's why they work so much uh, what what i would say is like although i said that about ollie saying you know it's one of the best i've watched obviously loads of films in my life which have been you know a lot of them i've watched because i've been like oh that's on imdb's list of best films of all time Mm. i'll watch it and i've watched it and gone yeah that's amazing like completely get why it's on there and i i love it with parasite as i say it ended and i was like yeah that was a good film it just just, it just like i i guess like it sounds like you're all very passionate about it and i really respect that and it sounds like there's loads of things you like ollie you know you've said you love literally every single bit about it and that's amazing but for me, I just watched it and I was like, I'm just waiting for this film to become yeah, exactly. the film that everyone's told me it's going to be. We should do a group viewing. I'm, I know exactly what you mean about that. It was a very, very different film, but it, um, I had a similar experience with Toy Story 3 when that first came out because all I'd heard was how the ending will make you cry. The ending is going to make you cry. It's absolutely heartbreaking. The ending will make you cry. And so I just kept waiting for this thing to happen that would make me cry. And it didn't. Whereas if they hadn't told me that, I probably would have been like, oh, that was actually really moving at the Absolute end. Absolute heart of stone. <laughs> but, but, but. I, I, I agree. It's it's slightly mad that um, that a foreign language film hasn't won Best Picture before. My question, and it, it's possibly a bit 
it's it's unrealistic because it couldn't this couldn't possibly be an english language film set couldn't really be set anywhere in the kind of english speaking world i don't know mm-hmm. if that's a stretch too far but if it was an english film or if it was that plot and say the actors were or the were like emma stone and Adam Sandler. So, so, someone, but I don't know who would play the dad. But I, I mean, what, do you think it would get that same? I mean, it's impossible to say because obviously there's so much about it. Mm. Is the is it's, the location? It's the culture. It's although the acting, is, you know, it's fantastic. It's the execution and of it, though. Isn't yeah, exactly. It as well? But but would would that is the plot? Do you think there's a kind enough? of exoticism? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I not, this is saying someone who has got 20 minutes left to see in it and has really really enjoyed it so far. Well, I think if you. If you look at Old Boy, for example, you know, there's the Korean version of that and they remade that for American audiences or Western audiences in terrible, English. No. And it was really poorly received. So that's probably a good example of them taking a Korean film and it not translating in the same way when you take the exact same storyline yeah, and reframe it in the US. So It's about think- the filmmaker, isn't it? Because like, um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten how you say his name. Bong Bong Jin Ho. Bong Jin Ho. Bong Jin Ho. Bong Jun Ho. Think like the 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 the, the month. Say it again. Bong Jun Ho. <laughs> Bong Jin Ho. Uh like his vision, uh he obviously had like you can see he just had control over everything. And like that's why it's so good, I think, because and, he had control yeah. over and it sounds like they, they had a blast making it. Like they all saying, like he's such a legend, the yeah. guy, and he seems really cool. Well, like if you see like his uh, acceptance, he's just like like a real character. All right, let's move on then. Uh, <laughs> listeners won't be aware, but we uh, we just took a little pause there. Patrick went to make a tea. Patrick said about six times there. I think this is going really well. <laughs> he's uh, very pleased with his own punditry so far. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> Selfless, no. I've barely contributed. He's got a tea and a hobnob, and we're ready to uh, to go for the second half. Let's move on to talk about uh, Soul, which is the new Pixar movie. Uh, it was released on Christmas Day, so pretty recent on uh, Disney+. Plus. It was going to come out in, in theatres, but in the end, um, just went straight to streaming. Uh, directed by Pete Doctor, who directed Monsters, Inc. and Up, and it stars Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, and Graham Norton as voice actors. The synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes goes like this. Joe is a middle school band teacher whose life hasn't quite gone the way he expected. His true passion is jazz, and he's good. But when he travels to another realm to help someone find their passion, he soon discovers what it means to have soul. Who's seen it? We haven't all seen this. Patrick, you've not seen it, but the rest of us have. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Scores out of 10. Ollie, we could start with you this Uh, time. I'm going to give it an 8. You hear that? Yeah, did you not hear oh, no, it? No, I heard it, but I burped. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's quite funny for a man who does a load of live TV. <laughs> um, uh, Tony? Seven. Oh, I'm going to give it an eight. And Dave? Uh, an 8.5. Wow. wow. That's your Woo. highest so far today? Today, yeah. <laughs> Better than Parasite, full full mark. Film of the year for Dave so far. Do you? Who wants to lead off on this? Tony, you complained that this was. You were like, it was good, but it was too much like a kids' film. I was like, well, it is a kids' film, but I, I think there's, I think there's you know, a bit more to it than that. But yeah, I did. I do think this is a bit. It's, it's worthy of more exploration. The kind of kidification of, as adults, should we be 
I don't know, are we peering too much at kids? Are we expecting too much from them? Like, when you're younger, you know, when you, when you are a kid and you watch it and people are like, well, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, adults can enjoy it too. It is still pitched at young, mm. younger audiences. So, like, are we expect, like, I don't know. So, for example, I found all the bits in the real world, I was like, it's, it's amazing animation, um, like, beautifully, beautifully done, potentially like a really nice story or it's a nice like, concept isn't it although like about four films i've watched this year have been focused about jazz i've caught up right. on a few like whiplash la la land whiplash was from a few years ago mate no as in like i've watched a load of films yeah. this year so, okay, it's, yeah, so yeah. i was like oh okay it's another film extolling the virtues of jazz but i just got really bored or bored I, I just got really tired of the um the sequences in the the uh, the other land the netherlands the four yes land or whatever for, this isn't a huge spoiler because it happens very early on but for people who haven't seen it joe the main character essentially dies about 10 minutes in doesn't he although he doesn't quite die but he yeah he falls the, through a manhole um and sort of goes to the the next or the sort of first phase of the afterlife and is supposed to be going to the great beyond but manages to to force himself back and so all that stuff in where they appear as souls as a little kind of cartoon souls you you didn't enjoy that so much yeah like um there's like loads of little tansies if you remember them ollie i agree with care that i obviously i really enjoyed it but this stuff that wasn't set in the real world if you like it didn't quite get me as much and like, I think part of it is that I think Pixar are so famous for their like characters, their worlds, obviously the animation and stuff. And with the soul, like the souls, the, the little soul characters, like I just, it just, and the, the, the world they were in stuff, it just didn't quite grab me as much as the stuff with Joe in the real world. And then obviously in like Toy Story and things like that, where it's all set in the same world, like, and all the characters and all the like locations and stuff, all of it, it just... I really liked it and it had such a like sweet message to it and like found it furry and entertaining and like again original and like its story and execution stuff but it wasn't a Pixar classic it just didn't have that Pixar magic for me when it moved out of the the real world into the in between if you like yeah although just just um talking about the animation the animation is absolutely incredible like visually it's incredible and just you talk about in the real world or in the well i think both but mainly i'm talking about the real world because if you think about it like famously pixar couldn't do human beings Mm. originally that's why all the early pixar films are about animals or monsters whatever toy story you never see the people because they just looked absurd when you know it just didn't work animating people in that way whereas now you know they can definitely do people now yeah. um dave what did you think yeah i was gonna say i thought it was it was amazing but also to that point around it you know being like a kid's film i thought it was probably the most adult of the pixar films to date because it's got quite a profound message around like the meaning of life like i what thinking about like a five or six year old watching that compared to them watching monsters inc mm. it feels like it's almost a completely different like world or level i thought it was like quite a mature film it's very existential isn't it yeah i, th- I thought i was really taken by the message throughout it and, and and sort of profound take on the meaning of life and like the way it ended as well was very different from sort of disney pixar films like it was very like open-ended hmm. and yeah like meaningful and yeah 
I, I thought that's a very touched by the film. Definitely, yeah. that's how I felt about it as well. I, I, I thought I thought the whole thing was brilliant. Like I think it's really well executed. The animation is amazing, but it was mainly just the message that really got me. And it may have been just the kind of the context of I did watch it on Christmas Day, uh, so I, I was right in the in the mood for something very kind of uplifting. And it was, but yeah, it was kind of like the it's just such a sweet but very profound message about the kind of well, it's about seizing the day, isn't it? And about the kind of um, uh, the beauty and the preciousness of life and and of existence, uh, and that just really got me. Like I just, and I thought it was really well done. Like they did it really, they conveyed that message really effectively, and mm-hmm. it left me feeling really positive and like actually, you know, wanting to go out there and seize the day. Although I then woke up the next day feeling ill and spent the next four <laughs> days in bed, um, so I didn't quite uh, couldn't quite uh, act on it immediately. But yeah, it just left me feeling really kind of grateful for existence which is for a kids film i think is uh, quite a you know quite an achievement i would say i think dave you nailed it on the head with the that they definitely got the balance right of a film which would entertain kids but would also move adults like it was i think a perfect film for christmas day for parents to watch with their children because it was something that would resonate with both audiences i th- yeah i think also like May, may, this might be a complete coincidence, but maybe, you know, Wally, you've given it an eight as well. But, you know, Dave and I, as, as the dads here, I, I definitely feel like I've always been a total softie about most things. But, like, I'm definitely much uh, even softer now since having a baby. And I just, I like things that are nice and that, you know, that are just trying to, you know, to, to be uplifting and make you feel happy. And, and that's what this film did and i'm i'm much more on board with that than like hereditary <laughs> at this point in my life whereas i yeah. think life has hardened me <laughs> and made me more cynical Dave. yeah i would totally agree with that because i i mean <laughs> like, is uncut gems. <laughs> i mean yeah my yeah my son is only three months old so i watched uncut gems before then so i'll have yeah. a different take for that but what i would say and if you asked uh maybe my wife uh, in the last three months, I definitely get a lot more emotional watching films yeah. than I did before. So I'm probably just very hormonal from having a, <laughs> a young child or yeah. tired. Um, so it was the it was the right kind of film for me at the moment. I think also just final point, like nice to have something original from Pixar as well. Because and it's a, uh, a well, you talked about you know actually all the films we've talked about so far have been really original ideas and that is great in a in a landscape of sequels and reboots it's great to have something original and actually from pixar who were famous for their originals to begin with in the last few years they ha- there hasn't been much of that so from 2016 to 2019 they released five films and only one of them was original so it was all like finding dory monster sync to things like that whereas this guy pete doctor is now um in charge of of pixar basically and he wants to kind of have a shift of emphasis back to producing original content and this is like the first original content original ideas and this is like the first of those and i i, I think that's great and, and I, I really didn't know where this was going um and yeah i, I loved it I, yeah yeah pete doctor sounds like the worst attempt at a fake name <laughs> <laughs> you know like in alan partridge where it's like what's your name and he's, he's like he's got the cone and whatever and he's like bill car <laughs> it's not a real name um Okay, the, the final one that we wanted to talk about in, in any kind of depth is uh, Uncut Gems. Again, came out in 2019, but on Christmas Day 2019. So this didn't make it into our 
uh, our roundup of of 2019. Very so we... similar to Soul as well. <laughs> the sound of it. Uh, it. It of course. Hang on, I've got it here. Uh, who directed it? Where is it? Oh, oh what's his name? Scott. Cut this out because it'll yeah, make yeah, us sound yeah. like absolute amateurs. Yeah, I can't find the director. I <laughs> directed yeah. High Times, isn't it? Josh and Benny Safty. Okay, here we go. Directed Safdie brothers. the Safty brothers. Directed by Josh and Benny Safty. Uh, and <laughs> cut out your bit. It's like <laughs> Adam Newer. Yeah, the, the Safty brothers. <laughs> I think you'll find. Um, and starring Adam Sandler. And the synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes is not there. <laughs> That's literally not one. I can't find the synopsis on Rotten Tomatoes, so we'll go with this one from IMDb. With his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in, a fast-talking New York City jeweller risks everything in hope of staying afloat and alive. Scores? We've all seen this, haven't we? Scores out of ten. Who hasn't started yet? You. Me, maybe. Or you. Both, both of us. But let's, let's go with you, Patrick. I... I... I hate it in so many ways. I'm going to give it an 8.5. Ollie? Uh, I'm an 8. I think... I don't actually know. Tony, give me more time. The the third out... Well, of the three full films I'm able to review today, I'm going to give it another 7. I'm such a fence-sitter. It's been 7. All 7 so far. Soul and Tenet and this, which is... They're all very different. I think I'll go 6.5. Wow, Dave! I'm going to give it a nine. Wow! Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up there with Even Dave. Even better than Soul. I'm up there with Dave, and it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> no, no, but no, and no, awful. Joking, joking. It's yeah. like I don't can't think of many other films where it's like we all agreed on this point. It's like an absolute slog to watch. Well, this is it. So, <laughs> no, but not in terms of pace. It's no, no, like, no. it's the opposite. It's just hideous. Yeah. It's hideously uncomfortable. I think in some ways this maybe just comes down to like how do we do our scoring how how do we like operate our scoring system individually because for me like i probably am going to agree with everything you say about how good it is as a piece of filmmaking but it just i just didn't enjoy it at all and that plays quite a big role for me in terms of how i mark it but i think probably the objective of the film makers is to make you feel incredibly uncomfortable like the whole way through Mm -hmm. and I don't think I've ever seen a film achieve it in quite yeah. the same way. I've never felt so uncomfortable for two hours watching a film as I do now. And like, even during garbage films where I've been like, oh, I just want to like turn this off or f- like you're a bit fidgety, maybe looking at your phone like this. I was just like, I, I couldn't look at my phone. I was addicted to watching it, but it was also s- the most uncomfortable. <laughs> just uh, it, interesting. Cause Dave and I gave it a similar score and that, um, it's again. It's nothing like it at all. But with uh, with Parasite, I think one of the things that I liked was that how, how distinctive I found it anyway, and just the look of it and the humor, everything about it just very much stood out. And this one, same, but in a totally different way. Like I, we were talking, we just mentioned uh, Good Times, Good Time or Good Times, Good Time, Good Time with uh, Robert Pattinson, and I remember seeing that with my brother and watching it and just thinking. Like, while watching it, thinking like, I've never really seen anything like this, some of it's weirdly realistic. It's the thing of people talking over each other. It's the kind of mess of it. It's the, like, it's, lots of it's not very, really, like, glossy. It's kind of chaotic. It's hard to put your finger on quite how, but I just remember being, like, gleeful in parts of that, watching it, just because I was like, I've never seen something so distinctive. And, and this one, uh, well, we'll get onto it for sure, but, like, that classic line, but Adam Sandler is a revelation in this 
role, simply remarkable. And 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 you do feel that, you know, there are certain roles where I don't know about this one, but like the idea of something being written for someone, but someone where he's massively divisive, he'd be many people's probably least favourite actor. And I think someone like um, Mark Kermode, although Kermode mentioned an old film of Adam Sands, I can't remember which one, where he... Oh, Punch Drunk Love, love. which he loves, and he thinks Sanders brilliant, but he's like, he had so many where he can't stand him, and he's like, he's not, you know, using his... what he can do. And this one, I think, plays to his strengths. And just, uh, like, do you remember how it opens? And, like... it's quite funny because it makes me sound completely hypocritical because with Tenet, I was saying, like, the mixing's all terrible and you can't hear a thing. Um, Uncut Gems opened and the opening credit music is, like, still going, kind of, and you can't really, like, hear what's going on. But it somehow works brilliantly in terms of, like, the chaos that then is going to unfold, that it's sort of, like, you gradually tune in and then you get hooked on this, like, utterly chaotic... um, journey ollie you wanted to come in here yeah i was gonna say i totally agree and i think the the i'm gonna say the genius of the film is that it it puts you the 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 chaotic nature of it puts you in the headspace of adam sandler's character like when you finish that film you feel like you've been through the most stressful day you've ever had it genuinely make like i think the idea of it was to make you feel like he did like throughout the story that like unbelievably stressful day where everything was going wrong everything was closing on him and you get like genuinely afterwards you feel exhausted because you've been through such a an experience and that's why i think it's so good and also because that it is again like original in its story and the way it's like executed and i can't think of another film which i've watched where i've come out feeling that drained it's quite and funny stress as well. from watching it like i watched it with you pad didn't i and we both at yeah. the end, we were just like, because I and we finished it like midnight on a Sunday, which is the worst time because then you can't really sleep. You're it's wired, it's, but it, it genuinely comical as well because he's so audacious. The character and he owes so many people yeah. stuff, and so many people are after him. But like the sort of fifth, well, this is an exaggeration, but like the fifth time he finds himself in like a car boot of like some thugs or something. It's genuinely funny, and there's a moment where because someone's like punched him in the nose or something, and he's like he kind of has a moment where he's just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the, the girl who likes him is like, eh, just like tending to his nose yeah. and stuff. Um, it's certainly, it's so- as you say, Dave, like it's very successful in achieving what it sets out to do, like in, in generating emotion, that emotion and that stress. Like it was, it was just such a grind for me to watch. And it, yeah, also didn't help, you know, it is on streaming, it's on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. And so, not something I watched at the cinema. I did watch it at home over about three days, and by like by the time <laughs> it got to day three, I was like, I just don't know if I can face this again. It's just I think it would a, have been better off to sit in one. It's such uh, a. It was just such a like horrid experience for me, but an incredibly good piece of filmmaking for sure. But it's quite. It's quite. Tony, I was say, it's, it's quite a. Um, yes, yeah, a particular stressed feeling that it evokes that you know not many film you know obviously if you're, you're setting out to make a film you want to kind of you know, make someone laugh or feel romantic or you know emotional which you he's very successful if you've made a film for adam to watch um or like scared or inspired or whatever but just to, to feel stressed and under pressure yeah is uh yeah it's quite a novel you know emotion we've recently talked about that thing of kind of an interesting idea it's like from stoic philosophy that you like um 
it's like reverse gratitude in a way that you think about bad things mm. that could happen to you or your family or whatever, and then the realization that they haven't happened makes you feel better. It's like a relief. things things yeah. are good. With that in mind, like this movie, if ever you've had a day where it's like too much going on and you can't like get to everything or you're late for a deadline or so and so, like this film's like therapy in a way because you're like, at least I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> at least I'm not in this guy's position. Yeah, there's <laughs> always someone worse off than you. Yeah. There's always someone worse off than you, unless you're Adam Sandler in that film. How do we find the ending? Because it, I was, it shocked me quite a bit. I wasn't. I didn't. Should we do a spoiler I was going to say definite, here? definite spoiler alert. But there is a moment in that film which, especially because it's such a complicated and I think very interesting main character, where I did feel great sympathy for him, but also some loathing and some, like, you know, ridicule and contempt. And, but he's real, like, warmth and kind of... But there's a moment in that film that I found quite devastating, yeah, which is probably quite an obvious moment, if you're thinking You can do the spoiler. Where he gets shot dead at the end of the film. And it's so... It happens so quickly yeah. and with absolutely no fanfare and no, mm. like... That it's it, it after everything that's happened and he's kind of like finally mm. he was basically sort of finally there. won as well yeah. because something's gone right. You kind of think he's in, the and clear. you realise yeah. that the 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 his 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 partner or the or the the, the, the woman he he really likes and as genuine you realise she's genuinely concerned about him and fond of him and you think like there's a glimmer here and then Bang. the Safi brothers are like nope. Okay, well, we, we we should probably move on. Then we're coming towards the end here. But there, are there any are there any other films that people wanted to mention, either like as the best films they saw last year or the worst films they saw last year? Ollie, you stuck your hand up. Yeah, I was just I just want to give a quick mention. It wasn't the worst film I saw this year, but I think the most disappointing, and that was Wonder Woman eighty four. It's only just come out. Yeah, right? yeah, I was a big fan of the very first Wonder Woman film. Um, Not the very first, you well, mean? The, 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 the yeah, recent yeah. reboot. First Gal Gadot right. yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and it had the same people behind it, same director. Um, this one's set in a different time period. And they're a bit, like, there's lots of it which I really enjoyed, but like the villain in it and the story and the, like, the bad power, if you like. I don't want to say too much, Dave, because you haven't seen it, but it really... <sighs> just left me feel feeling a bit disappointed okay dave you had one yeah there, there are two films that i want to single out for criticism this year <laughs> which are both netflix films and i think netflix had two films in my my worst three films last year as well but these two films uh, i i almost never and i say almost never because i think these two films are the the first two films in about 15 years that i haven't actually been able to finish uh are extraction which was the Chris Hemsworth action film, which was what are those things in Harry Potter? They called like necromancers or something. Dementors. Dementors. Yeah. Yeah. Which like suck all of the life out of mm-hmm. you. They're That's like what... embodiments of depression. They're mm. supposed to be, or kind of like. Yeah, they suck all your joy, joy. and all yeah. your... That's, that's yeah. how I would describe, like, whatever's happened with that film. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you meant there's going to something in it. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's brilliant. I it's, love that. It sucked all of the joy out of an action film and all of, like, the charisma 
out of Chris Hemsworth as an actor. Cinematic Dementor. Yeah. yeah. So that was horrible. <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> watched half an hour of that and turned it off per your... Yeah. <laughs> Joylessly yeah. went to bed. Garbage. And then the other film was The Old Guard, which was the Charlie's oh, Theron Netflix movie. film, which was about a group of uh, immortals who were, like, fighting crime and just took itself way too seriously and just absolute nonsense. Yeah. It's like if someone wrote a script in the toilet, <laughs> then wiped their ass with it <laughs> and then handed it in and someone tried to make a film with like what was comprehensible underneath that. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which is harsher out of the two reviews. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Jeez. lot there's a lot of dross on Netflix, isn't there? Not so much the series, the films they yeah. haven't quite nailed yet. They throw a lot of shit on the script. Uncut Gems was a Netflix film, and that was very good. Yeah, so there that's are the, few, yeah there are good films there, but like those there's a lot two of dross. Just... Annihilation, you were a fan of that, Mecca, weren't you? Was that Netflix? I like that, yeah. Netflix film? Tony, have you got any that you wanted to mention? You've got a long I've list got of a films. Mate, I've got, I'm just scrolling now, just scrolling. Um, yeah, it's films I really enjoyed. Trial of the Chicago 7. Did you watch that? It's the Aaron Sorkin. I yeah. haven't actually seen it. Aaron no. Sorkin. Anyone else seen it? No. Is that a Netflix it's original on my list. as well? Uh, well, yeah. it went to Netflix, yeah. 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 I think really, really, really good. <laughs> Thoroughly recommended. Great. Not, not as kind of much poetry in your <laughs> well, reviews as, as Dave, but... Yeah, I oh, know exactly what you'd expect from a Sorkin production, like sharp dialogue, uh, that really nice pace, good, good, at, like, good performances from sort of unexpected places. Uh, so... Yeah, I'd thoroughly recommend that. Ford versus Ferrari, which I watched the other day. Uh, good way to finish the year. Yeah, I really enjoyed I'm that. really keen to see really that. Really good. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, like, sort of talk about you know, some of the films we talked about tonight. In many ways, it's quite a simple film. Obviously, yeah, telling a, a true story of something that's both visually dramatic, but also has some good yeah, personality to it as well. Uh, yeah, Score Christian on Bale, that one? Really good. Uh, I give it an eight. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Trial of Chicago 7, eight and a half. Jojo Rabbit as well, I watched. Sounds like it's like my it's school play. I watched Jojo Rabbit. Um, but yeah, no, Jojo <laughs> Rabbit, I think, was, I really enjoyed. Uh, I'd probably give that an eight and a half as well. Really? It's up there with, up there with some of the best films of the year. Some of the other things I found disappointing, Greyhound, did you watch that? No. That, went, that was a Tom Hanks um, yeah, World War II film that went straight to Apple TV. And it was like, there was some merit there, but just in the end, just really quite drab. Oh, and Borat as well. Did you, anyone watch Borat? I thought that was near. Yeah, it's very, very mediocre. Yeah. I like some funny bits in it, but just... What's it called, it about, actually? What's the second one called? Subsequent movie film. <laughs> right. It's quite a good time. <laughs> um, but it, it, I don't know. It was just, it, obviously, like what Borat did the first time around, you know, now, like Donald Trump has been doing for four years, hasn't he? Just exposing that kind of lunacy and whatnot. And you're a big uh, fan of Trump as well. Huge, so. yeah, huge. I also... Huge. I just want to mention, I really enjoyed The Invisible Man as well. I went with Dave to watch at the cinema. That was very good. Yeah, I loved The Invisible Man. Yeah. Actually, that was a really sort of clever film, so taking, like, superhero powers and, like, applying it to domestic abuse. Yeah. Um, it's Elizabeth Moss as well. Is yeah. That really, yeah. Bath hates Elizabeth Moss. I can't I stand Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Moss. I really it's a, there's some really great 
uncomfortable and creepy moments in that film. Yeah. It's, it's good to see it, the story done differently. It's uh, worth a watch. So I've just been looking at my laptop because I've, I've been trying to think of a single other film that I've seen this year other than the ones that we talked about. And I suddenly remembered there's one, a Prime, a prime original, but I couldn't think what it was called. So I've been Googling all sorts of things eventually found it um as a he's, little, he's, <laughs> he's like tenet there's <laughs> <laughs> an irish film called dating amber has anybody seen this no. um it's about two it's about two teenagers growing up gay in ireland a boy and a girl and they're getting bullied at school and they like make a pact to kind of pretend to date each other like to sort of uh, to date each other publicly so that people will no longer think that they're gay, and it's it's just really sweet and funny, and yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that. One film which we all went to the cinema to see this year, which came out right at the end of last year, was uh, Nineteen Seventeen as well, which I which I love, which I would if if we were counting it as a twenty twenty film, would be in my top three. Yeah, same here. Out of ten, a nine again. Any others? You you said you'd seen Mulan. Yeah, I watched Mulan. It was like. Uh, crouching tiger light not really as fun as like the cartoon like i it sits in quite a strange area where i think it's trying to be like a like a tweeny film like it's entertaining yeah like you want to enjoy two hours like watching a sort of live action disney remake which isn't too much like the original like it's fine but it's not gonna blow your socks off crouching tiger hidden substance how about that hey that might be uh, might be the end of the pod. I think after that, what actually what is on the schedule for twenty twenty one? Is Bond meant to be coming out in a think, few months, or uh, yeah. are they? Yeah, yeah. Got back to next October. Didn't I it? think Bond. Yeah, but it is, is going to come out next yeah. year, providing everything goes yeah okay this year. Yeah, in twenty twenty one, and I think uh, June hopefully is going to come out this year. Okay, so well, hopefully there'll be some films <laughs> yeah. for us to talk about on the podcast in twenty twenty one. But that brings us to the end for today. Thanks a lot, everyone. Cheers, Adam. Thanks for having us. Well, yeah, thanks for the biscuits, Ollie. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Bye-bye for now. Cheerio. Ciao. Okay, should we start then? Yeah. What do you want to do about spoilers? Do like, do we say anything about spoilers? Or I think if you're going to drop a spoiler, maybe you say spoiler alert. <clears throat> I'd say mainly just don't spoil the last 25 minutes of Parasite. Oh, Parasite yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important thing. So yeah, okay. So I'd be just so we are going to talk about things with spoilers then, but just say, are we going to do like a disclaimer at the start? Do we want to? Because I think it'll be very difficult it. to talk about Tenet, for yeah, example, exactly, without any spoilers. 
So do we just say it, do we say it as we get going or do we get like do we get Dave to come on at the start and give a little weaselly kind of Ooh, there's gonna be spoilers. Ooh. I'll tell you what we could spoilers. I'll tell you what we could do, Bath. I yeah. could record that and then you could cut me out and put Dave in instead. <laughs> <laughs> You're quite good at that. Oh, it's great banter, it really is. Top B. Um, we need to move on. Yeah. How are you doing for time, Dave? Uh, I've got about 15 minutes. I also desperately need a piss. Yeah, I need the toilet <laughs> like, as well. Quite badly. I desperately a, need a hobnob. Do you want to have a very quick <laughs> water? <laughs> <laughs> it's going well. Oh, yeah. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant.